I don't know how many of you will be one of the 101 million Americans that will be driving for Christmas this year, but I'm happy to say that I will not be. Uh, the past couple years, Laura and I lived in a shed. We were not actually able to have people come over for Christmas because there was simply not enough room. Uh, and uh, now we have a house, so people have to come to us, which is awesome because uh, the average distance traveled at Christmas is 275 miles. It's a long way. Even if you are driving 80 miles an hour the entire way, that's still almost four hours of driving. Add to that impatient kids in the car and you have a recipe for disaster. So I'm excited to say that when the snow comes tonight, because Jesus, I believe you have heard my prayers for a white Christmas. I will not be on the roads at all tomorrow, but that was not always the case. Uh, my sister's husband works in the oil industry, and so uh, there were a number of uh, years that we had to drive to, to go see them. And uh, a couple of years, they lived in San Antonio, Texas, so to spend Christmas as a family, we had to drive down there. Now, that's much further than the 275-mile-per-average uh, miles average, so it's like over double that, and the, the trips will live forever in my memory because uh, the first year we went, Leighton was 14 months old, just a little baby, and we thought if we drive through the night, he will likely just sleep in his car seat, and then we won't have to worry about stopping and eating and bottles and, and diapers and all that. We can make the whole 11-hour trip in just one shot. How many of you all know that didn't work for... <laughs> For us, it was a bad plan. About the time I slammed a quadruple shot of espresso from Starbucks, the boy decided that he was not going to cooperate. It was determined that we should get a hotel for the night and just drive the next morning, except the problem was that my pupils would not dilate. My hands were shaking. I was a little uh, revved up from the, the espresso, so for like 36 hours, I did not sleep. But then the following year that we had to go down there, Laura was pregnant with Lana. So I don't know if you've ever had to travel that far while pregnant, I personally have not, but I, uh, that was a joke, never mind. Uh, but I understand that traveling that far is not super awesome. I'm told it's a bit uncomfortable, especially if you're f quite far along in the pregnancy. But here's why I bring that up, because this these past four weeks together, we've been in a sermon series called Oh What Fun. And week uh, one, well, all the weeks, we were looking at some different traditions and things that happen around Christmas that should be fun. And uh, we're trying to see what God can teach us about those things, which week one was Oh What Fun It Is to decorate. And then we talked about, oh, what fun it is to give gifts. And week three was, oh, what fun it is to spend time with family. Last week I said, oh, what fun it is to party. But today I titled the sermon message a bit facetiously, oh, what fun it is to travel while pregnant. Now, before I explain that, I think it would probably be good for us to read a portion of Scripture together just so we can all be on the same page. So if you brought a Bible, and I hope you did, you can go ahead and grab it, or you should have received some sermon notes on your way in. You can follow along there as well. But you need to turn to a place called the New Testament. You can just look for some guys' names. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is kind of how that will go. And you want Luke chapter 2. 
Uh, this will help us as we close out this Advent series, celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, what fun it is to travel while pregnant. Here we go. Luke 2, starting in verse 1. I'm in the New Living Translation. It reads, At that time, circle, star, underline, highlight, whatever you do in your Bible. At that time, your translation might say, In those days. That's important. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from a village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. All right. So can we agree that the fun of traveling while pregnant largely depends on timing. In other words, the leisure with which you travel depends in large part to the size of the child growing inside of your body. Traveling at eight weeks pregnant is wholly different than traveling at eight months pregnant. Again, I I don't personally know that from experience, but I have traveled with a big belly before, okay? I mean, it's due in large part to cheeseburgers and Dr. Pepper, not a a human growing inside of me, uh, but it seems reasonable to assume that the timing of the pregnancy is important. But also, so is the timing of the trip. Like our trip to San Antonio is dramatically different than, a, a, say, a trip to Newton. You can see what I'm saying. Traveling while pregnant isn't necessarily all that bad if you're traveling across town versus traveling across the United States. We read here that a girl named Mary is pregnant, and the timing of her pregnancy would seem to be problematic. First of all, because she's engaged to be married, so she's not married. Most people would call that a mistake. But we know from the Bible, specifically Matthew chapter 1, that this was not a mistake. This was a miracle. Theologians call this the immaculate conception, which I know that's kind of a big word, probably uh, a little bit confusing. Funny short story about that. A few years ago, some Bible researchers were asking kids some questions and wanted to hear their answers, and they recorded their responses. And one of the questions was, how was Jesus born? And the kids said, because Mary had an immaculate contraption. Which is that, I mean, how, ladies, would that not be something you would want to invest in, this immaculate contraption that would help deliver the child? Nonetheless, my point is the timing of this event is important. Now, aside from the fact that she's not married, Mary's pregnancy seems problematic because of the trip duration. At the time of this ordered census, a very pregnant Mary has to travel approximately 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Which, keep in mind, Mary and Joseph cannot order up an Uber. There's no hurts for pack animals for them to travel this distance. They're going to have to two-step that distance over the next eight to ten days. Again, that would seem like a mistake. If God is who made 
Mary pregnant, which is what we believe happened for a variety of reasons, specifically the Bible tells us, but why in the world would he make Mary walk four marathons one way so that she could deliver Jesus in an animal's feeding trough instead of the comfort of her own home? I mean, was the trek meant to help facilitate the delivery? I know in, in uh, the days Lauren High had to, to take the pregnancy classes, they said walking around the block could help, you know, facilitate the labor, but a hundred miles, that seems a bit excessive. I guess for me, at first glance, it all seems a bit poorly planned, kind of how, like I planned to drive through the night with an infant son. That was a mistake. Well, here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. God's timing is not a mistake. God's timing is a miracle. God's timing is a miracle. It's not a mistake. The reason why Mary had to be pregnant now, and the reason why she had to walk now, and the reason why the census had to be ordered now, the reason why Joseph had to be uh, a member of David's lineage, and the reason why it can be fun to travel while pregnant is because God's timing is a miracle, not a mistake. Let me help put this miracle in perspective for you. Roughly 400 years before Jesus is born, the Persian Empire was expanding its territory. They started to get a little bit too close to the Greeks. So Philip of Macedon united the Greeks in battle, led them uh, into war with the Persians. Uh, After Philip's death, his son Alexander took over. You might know him as Alexander the Great because he conquered the entire known world in about 12 years, all before his 35th birthday. As a result, Alexander's influence uh, on the world, it all became Greek in thought and language. And for the first time since the Tower of Babel, the world was united by a single language. Everyone spoke a little bit of Greek. The reason this is important is because the Greeks had the Old Testament scriptures translated uh, into Greek because they were originally written in Hebrew. This happened around 280 BC. And because of that, the world, since they all spoke a little bit of Greek, was for the first time able to learn for themselves about the promises of a Messiah coming. Then in 63 BC, the Romans conquered the Greeks. They took over the duties of ruling the world. They ruled over Israel and the Jewish people with an iron fist. They exploited and and oppressed the Jews and violently put down all opposition. Because of this oppression, the Jewish people were dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. This dispersion would not have been possible prior to Alexander because one of the things he did after conquering the world was put in roads, develop an infrastructure so that people could travel around the empire freely. This made travel much easier and and you could travel if you're being oppressed or as for the case in our story, you could travel back to an area during a census which is what we just read about. The Romans needed to know where the people went because they needed their tax dollars. Not too different from the world now. The government wanted people's current family size and mailing address, but the Pony Express had not arrived yet, so they needed the people to come back to them. As you can see, none of this was a mistake. 
All of this was a miracle. God orchestrating the birth of Jesus at just the right time. He had to come at this time. And to really understand the miracle, you have to understand that the entire Bible, thousands of years before Jesus was born, started predicting a Savior. Someone who would come and fix what had gone wrong, which you can read about in Genesis chapter 3. Roughly 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said that a Messiah would be born of a virgin. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 14. Jeremiah says he'll be from the line of David. Chapter 23, verse 5. Micah predicted that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5, 2. And everyone who read it then would say, well, when? When is that going to happen? And Luke comes along and says, at that time. What time? That time. You ever ask somebody what time it is and they're like, well, it's about that time. No, no, what specific time is it? Time for you to get a watch. (laughs) Great, yeah. No, can you tell me what time it is? And timing is important. And if Christmas teaches us anything, it's that God's timing is a miracle, not a mistake. You say, well, pastor, I hear what you're saying about timing, but if I could interject here, because you don't know the timing of events unfolding in my life, there's nothing miraculous about them. In fact, I would contend it's a series of mistakes. Like, I just lost my job. I just lost a loved one. Pastor, I, someone I care about broke up with me. Pastor, I nearly died. I was sick. My finances are a wreck. I need a new car. So I understand what you're saying here for Jesus. And yes, it was a miracle. But these things in my life, this timing, no, 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 it's a mistake which I would say, yeah, I believe what you're going through might be very hard. But could it be that the God of the universe, who stands outside of time, who sees every possibility for every outcome of each decision that you're faced with, could it be that He might know this perceived mistake is actually His grace setting you up for something greater? Could it be that the job you lost was actually tethering you down, yet now you've been freed up to take a chance on this business opportunity that's been lingering in your heart? Could it be that the guy who broke up with you wasn't good for you and wasn't going to stay with you, and if you got sick, he wasn't going to care for you, and it wasn't going to be for better or worse? Could it be that in a few years, you're going to look back at these mistakes, and you're going to say, oh, wow, God, that wasn't a mistake at all. That was God's miracle flooding down from heaven, giving me something I didn't even know was possible. Could that be? I don't doubt that it is hard right now, but maybe for your life, this isn't a mistake. It's a misunderstanding that's going to lead to a miracle. Amen, somebody. Sometimes we misunderstand God's timing. We perceive it to be a mistake, but it's actually going to lead to a miracle. Do you know Acts 17, 24 reminds us that God made the world and everything in it, and He decided when people would live and where they would live. The actual Scripture Uh, is this. I'll put it here on screen. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, and He determined their boundaries. 
So the very fact that you are alive right now means you are a miracle, not a mistake. Now your parents might disagree with me and say, no, this is Elizabeth, they were a mistake. Uh, no, 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 you can, you, the, you can have accidental parents, but there's no such thing as accidental children. God put you right where He wants you. His timing brought you to this moment in history. Truth be told, I believe that God's timing brought you to this place this morning so you could hear about this baby Jesus who was born to a teenage girl who had the difficult task of traveling while pregnant. I believe that God wanted you to hear about how your sins can be forgiven because Mary was a virgin, so the curse of human sin was not passed on to Jesus. And because He was God in flesh, He could live a life of no sin so that when He died, He could take our sin on His shoulders, therefore making us free from sin, all of our sin, past, present, and future, it gets put onto Him, imputed onto Him. And when He rose from the dead, He not only conquered sin, He also conquered death. And so now we can live forever with Him. You're not here by accident. Make no mistake. This is God's timing. He's trying to meet you right where you're at to let you know that this this thing in life that you're dealing with, it can be better. And it has nothing to do with you cleaning yourself up or changing your own life by your own power. This is all about His miracle. This is about His Son, Jesus. Jesus lived a life you couldn't live. That's the true miracle of Christmas. You can be rescued by God. In fact, we see God doing this all along. We see this God doing this in the Christmas story. You may have heard of the three kings from the Orient who are bearing gifts as they travel afar. If not, their story is told in Matthew chapter 2. I want to read a portion of it to you. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, which is what we just read in Luke chapter 2, after that, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Again, with God's timing. When do you see stars? Night. Okay? That's not a trick question. Okay. Got two of you on that. Uh, yeah, you, you see stars at night, which aren't you glad we live in an area of the country where we can see stars and the beauty of the heavens, not somewhere like California or Las Vegas where it's so bright you can't even see the stars. I just think we should take a second to praise Jesus that he made us Jayhawkers and not like Seahawkers or something like that. You know what I'm saying? New Yorkers or wherever... You can't see the stars. What was I even talking about? <laughs> Wise men, stars. Uh, so catch this. The words that we use for seeing stars and ascertaining uh, when they showed up and all that is astrology or astronomy, some people call it. And, and we know that that's what these wise men were doing. Specifically, if you read verse 7, it says what specific time they even saw the stars. And what's ironic about that is this custom was outlawed by God. You can read in Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 18 how they're not supposed to be looking at the stars. So follow me on this. These 
magi or magicians as they are known are doing something prohibited by God, yet in God's timing, He not only reveals what this particular star means, He leads them to the man the star represented. What's my point? My point is God will meet you exactly where you're at and He will use different devices to demonstrate His love for you. How many stars different stars. Do you think these men over the course of hundreds of years who've been passed on these uh, papers about all these different stars, how many, how many different stars do you think they looked at every single night and yet this particular star on this night happens to lead them directly to Jesus? Like who do you think was responsible for that? God. It's a miracle, not a mistake. So let me ask you a very important question. If the God of the universe who abhors evil and sin and will one day come to judge both evil and sin in the world is revealing, is willing to reveal himself in the stars to these men who are practicing divination and the occult and then lead them directly to the wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace and Almighty God, Jesus. And that experience so radically changes their view of who God is that they secretly change their route back to where they had come from and more than likely introduce the one true God of the universe to the Far East. Then is it at least possible He wants to do the same thing in in your life today. God will do amazing things in His timing because His timing is a miracle, not a mistake. Is it at least possible that all the happenings in your life have been God trying to bring you to this moment to say, I love you. I love you so much I pillaged heaven and sent you my greatest treasure. My son, Jesus, who humbly said, I'm going to go to the earth and live and die so that your people, dad, can spend an eternity with you. Sure, you've made some mistakes, but in God's timing, they can be a miracle that forever alters your life and perhaps the lives of the people around you. I'm sure many of you tonight or between tonight and tomorrow are going to unwrap gifts. And I'm guessing there's probably some awesome gifts sitting under your tree right now. I know the single greatest gift I've ever received in the history of my life was given to me by my wife this year. It's a PlayStation 4. Uh, She also gave and gifted to me three amazing children. But those three children will not be seeing me over the next couple days because I'll be in the basement with Oreos and uh, video games. So there's that. But uh, in all seriousness, I don't doubt that there's some amazing gifts that you'll get this year. But as we prepare to take communion together, you need to hear me say that God's timing is a miracle, not a mistake. And the biggest miracle of all is the gift that He wants to give you. And it's going to blow away any gift you will ever receive this year and for all the years to come. And just like the gifts under the tree, you didn't do anything to deserve this gift. And you can never repay this gift, but that's why it's called a gift. All you have to do is with open hands and an open heart, receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. 
And I want to give you a chance to do that. But before I do, let me also say this, because I know that there are a number of you who have already received this gift freely and are living uh, through faith in Jesus and serving God. So let me challenge you all this way. We know from Matthew 2 that these wise men, when they saw Jesus, the Scripture says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and fell down and worshipped baby Jesus. They gave Him gifts and then they returned home. So Christmas is really about joy, Jesus, and a journey. So no, you might not be traveling while pregnant this year, but you are on a journey. A journey to love God and love His people. And listen, the only way you can do that is through joy, through the power of Jesus. Whatever happens this year, you have to remember that God's timing is a miracle, not a mistake. So you have to embrace your journey with joy and with Jesus. And at that time... As Luke tells us. What time? I don't know. At that time, God will reveal what He's doing for you and in your life. And what He was up to all along. And you'll see, when you look back on it, that this was a miracle, not a mistake. Do you join me in prayer? God, thank You for sending this gift of Jesus, this miracle at the right time, this Messiah to save us from our sins. God, I'm believing that there are people here this morning who have never trusted in You as their Savior. That they're ready and willing to put their faith in You because of what Jesus did. That's You this morning. The Bible says that if You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so I would invite you right now just where you are to pray this prayer with me to say, God, I'm sorry. I've sinned. But I believe in Jesus. The miracle of His birth His death, and the miracle of His resurrection. I believe I can be saved because of that. Thank You for saving me. Help me live for You. God, I know that there's mistakes in this room. People have done things that are not proud of. But I also believe that the miracle of Christmas is that you can redeem those things. You can work through those things. You can forgive people. You can help them forgive others. God, I'm trusting you to do what only you can do and help people see this journey of life as a miracle. Give them joy like they've never had before. We thank you for this free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.